0: jcasnetwork.org.
1: Hello, and welcome once again to Daily Dot Differently. This is Jeremy Kalmanowski, and we are continuing on Shabbat page, Kuf Nun Aleph, page 151. The first part of the page continues the prior conversation about the planning on uh, the end of Shabbat, four things that will be done after Shabbat, and that passage as Shabbat is ending into, uh, into the weekday. And we're also going to talk, we're going to begin what will be a a significant passage, significant portion for the next couple of days, about that other passage, the end of one thing and the beginning of another, death. So one of the things that you can plan to do on Shabbat is to, uh, that you will do after Shabbat, is to take care of all the needs of a bride or uh, all the needs of a corpse. And that's going to lead us into the conversation about uh, about death. One of the things that you can do uh, is... Uh, well, one of the things that you may find yourself doing is taking advantage of the labor that a non-Jew did for him or herself on Shabbat. Uh, What what is the relationship of a Jew to benefit from labor that a non-Jew did on Shabbat the Jew to benefit for it after Shabbat? It's, of course, forbidden for a Jew to benefit on Shabbat to ask a non-Jew on Shabbat to do the work on Shabbat that would be forbidden for you. Um, But how about if they did that work on their own, Can you benefit from it afterwards? In general, the principle is that uh, if you ask them to do it for you personally, you are not allowed to benefit from it at all. But if you are not the one who themselves ask that the labor be done, you didn't ask them to make a pizza, um, if enough time elapses that the work could have been done um, after Shabbat, then you can therefore take advantage of that work at the at the end of that time. If it takes, let us say, uh, thirty minutes to make a pizza, uh, you cannot benefit from that pizza. You cannot eat the pizza as soon as Shabbat ends, but you can wait thirty minutes. Even if the pizza was made on Shabbat, if you wait the Asu, long enough for the time to elapse, you can then benefit from from the labor after Shabbat. So, if you happen to go to a uh, uh, pizza restaurant, as, as there is one here on, uh, you know, where I am in New York City, uh, there's a kosher pizza place owned by non-Jews um, on Broadway, and you could go to Cafe Viva, uh, not the moment that Havdalah ends, but you should wait long enough that that food can be made after Shabbat, wait that 30 minutes or whatever it is, and then and then. Uh, benefit from it. We're talking specifically in the Talmud now about things like shrouds and coffins. Um, you cannot ask the non-Jew to make to make you that coffin, but if they do make it on Shabbat, uh, you can take advantage of it the next day, long enough to wait. Now, the uh, this leads us into a whole conversation, though, about death. and There's all kinds of really interesting material, both things that you can infer about how it is that they treated dead bodies, such as uh, keeping them cool so that they don't swell up, and uh, placing them on the ground. You can you can derive you know you can you can infer what they did by the the laws about how it is that you are supposed to treat a dead body, tie up the jaw and such things like that. One of the things that the Talmud says is that you are not to close the eyes of a dead person. Actually, once a person is dead, you shouldn't touch their body at all on Shabbat. Um, and it it mentions. Uh, Agav, it mentions incidentally that closing the eyes of a dying person is like snuffing out a candle, that is to say hastening their death. Now that's probably not medically true, um, but it, it gives rise to the general Judaic or halachic approach to end-of-life issues that when death happens, when death is coming, you are supposed to do as little as possible, or nothing, um, to hasten that death. Now of course in our times uh, our medical technology is so vast and so vastly different from theirs that we, we do all sorts of things, in some cases extending life very, very far in ways, very, very long extension of life in ways that are not helpful either to the, to the person or to their family. But in general, we have a view in Judaism that, that uh, hastening death, um is is a terrible thing it's tantamount to murder as a practical matter in handling end-of-life questions nowadays given our medical technology most halakhic authorities legal authorities will say that once death has become inevitable it is permissible to do things like disconnect ventilators Um, but in general you you don't want to god forbid even if a person is very very ill hasten hasten their death couple of things that are, that are interesting about this is, is that the Talmud refers in two different phrasings that a dead person is batel min ha mitzvot they are um, inactive vis-a-vis mitzvot they can't do mitzvot anymore and in the next phrase they say you are chofshi min ha mitzvot, you are liberated from the mitzvot, now I find this phrase just fascinating, the rabbis love the mitzvot, the rabbis think the mitzvot are what life is all about and yet here they actually, through their phrasing of chofshi, liberated suggest that uh, that when you've left this world you maybe are free of its burdens they go on to, to say that when you get an opportunity to do a mitzvah you better do it right away because uh, you might let that mitzvah opportunity pass and never get a chance again and in fact the world to come will be no more mitzvahs the world to come will be no more commandments and no more opportunity to earn merit or to fail to earn merit and have sins the meaning of which would appear to be that the world to come is a little bit like death the world to come is a little bit like is like death and I think that the rabbis in general feel like this world is where it's at with the obligations hard though they may be and you may feel a desire to be liberated in some sense from them uh, but this is, this is where the action is where, where the rubber meets the road of uh, making a good world and being a person of moral responsibility speaking of which the last teaching I want to share with you from today's page, it tells us that poverty is a wheel that turns around in the world. What goes around sooner or later will come around, and people uh, people may one day suffer poverty, God forbid. But that does leave us with uh, with uh, something we can do about it. I can't promise that it will always work this way, but it, uh, it ought to work this way. Tanya Rabbi Gamliel Bar Omer Rabban Gamliel the son of Ravi says that al mirachamim alav All who show mercy to their fellow human beings, heaven will also show mercy to them. The kol al but those who are not, not merciful towards their fellow human beings then Heaven will not be merciful towards them. I myself look forward to Heaven's mercies at all the time, but it's a good way to earn them too, to share kindness with your fellow uh, human beings, your brothers and sisters. Thanks for learning with me today, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow.
0: I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros, from the Epic album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.